You're listening to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Emily. I'm Alina. We're part of Your Future is Our Business, which is a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students ages 10 to 18 explore careers by connecting them to adults through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. You're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview and highlight the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you've ever thought, hmm, how did I get that job? Or what is that job really like? Then keep on listening. We would like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. Please note that information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. Comments made in this segment and the information provided during the show are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please be advised that this week's episode might contain content that may be considered graphic or sensitive for young audiences. Today we're joined by our guest Meg Sandow, and she is a licensed clinical psychologist. First of all, thank you, Meg, for being here. Thanks for having me. And can you tell us what is a licensed clinical psychologist? I'll start with what's a psychologist, mm-hmm. and that is someone who has gone to school for some very specific training that can be aimed at teaching, providing therapy, doing research. Those are the three primary areas or consultation with organizations. And then a clinical psychologist in those different branches is the person who's doing therapy and also possibly psychological assessment. And a licensed clinical psychologist is someone who has undergone the additional necessary training after the degree and has passed certain exams and then maintained continuing education units. And what kind of education did you need to have for this job? I uh, went for a doctorate, and I was very fortunate that I was able to get into a program that allowed me to go to the doctorate directly from a bachelor's, so I didn't have to get a master's degree first. And that training involved a lot of coursework, and then were called practica, so different practical experiences that were supervised, and then also various exams at the end of a certain period of time, also an internship, and that was a year of very intensive practical work with high level of supervision and continued learning. And then afterwards, I had to write a dissertation (laughs) and defend that dissertation. And that's what then put me in a position to go for the additional what's called Mm postdoc training, where you're getting more hours that are supervised and then you get to take a licensing exam. So how many years in total did this whole journey take you? I'm a bit of a slacker, so (laughs) it it took me four years to complete the grad school work, Mm -hmm. and then it took me six years to get the dissertation done. I really slid in right under the wire on that one. (laughs) And then I did not immediately go to get the supervised time that was necessary But at the point that I started that, then it was about another two years before I could take the exams. Can you tell us a little more about your background? Yeah. (laughs) I went to an arts high school, so my background is actually in the visual arts. But I really loved science, and I thought I wanted to be a genetics researcher. And I'm old enough (laughs) that this was when genetics was first really becoming a thing. (laughs) So then when I started college, I pretty quickly learned that I love theory and hate lab work. I thought about going back to art. And in fact, I did, but I don't think I ever really had it in me to be an artist professionally. And I dropped out of college and did a bunch of, cleaned a lot of houses, did meal prep for people, 
did piecework jewelry painting, worked at a cigarette and candy kiosk, had a lot of those kinds of jobs. Left the country for a couple of years, cleaned a bunch of more houses because I was mostly an illegal alien where I was, did a lot of child care and yard work and house cleaning. (laughs) Came back to the U.S. and thought, I just can't spend the rest of my life like this, went back to college. And while I was in college is when I really started thinking about psychology. So that was the path, maybe I would say, to the diving board that took me into psychology Mm -hmm. and and also some fairly intense therapy along the way. And can you walk us through like what a day of yours or a week of yours is like? Sure. I guess I'll do a week because part of what I like about working for the county is that my days are very varied. And so across the week, I will have a combination of some portion of evaluating a new client. And I work with kids and families. So this is a child who has been brought in, typically by family members. I'm trying to figure out what's going on and how can we be helpful. And also, do you qualify for our services? So Mm -hmm. part of my week is spent trying to figure those things out. Part of my week is spent providing therapy to people who are already my clients. And at the county, this is another thing I love, is that that therapy can be in my office, in the street, at the climbing gym, in the home, at the school, in the park, at the beach, anywhere that that I determine is going to make sense for what this kid needs. Yes, and that I'm not necessarily limited to the 50-minute hour, right? So the other day I was with someone who was in crisis, and we met for almost three hours. So I'm also doing a lot of writing. I'm putting information into a report. I'm writing notes about what I did and why I did it and what my plan is. I'm going to meetings. I'm returning phone calls. I'm preparing paperwork so I can consult with people. And then with a group of colleagues, typically every other week, there's a meeting where we're really focused on learning a particular approach together. So there's also that. And what kind of environment do you work in or what kind of people do you work with? So the county serves kids from birth through age 21 or 22, and those would be youth in the foster care system at the Mm -hmm. older end. I would say my youngest clients have been typically five and my oldest, maybe 19. And they are kids who come in with a variety of needs. They may be very depressed, very anxious, very angry. There may be trauma in their histories. Some of them are using or abusing substances. There may be eating disorders. There may be occasionally someone with what we call a thought disorder, where maybe, you know, a lot of people would think, oh, schizophrenia, but it's a lot more complex than that. But but they're not really... It's kind of like their thought process is jumping off the rails. I, I also speak Spanish, so I, I work throughout the county, and some portion of my services are provided in Spanish. The work is done individually and with families, which is a super important part for any child, and then also guidance to the parents, guidance to other professionals. Could be a teacher, could be a CASA. We talked earlier briefly about CASAs. Yeah, so the, the, the physical environment is really very flexible, and then the I guess the subject of what I'm doing could also be really, it's really broad. Mm-hmm. And if you have a question about any, <laughs> any word I'm using or anything, just please ask. Yeah. And what kind of hours do you normally have? So I used to sometimes work on the weekends. Now I have to get very special permission for that. And that was really very explicitly if 
you know, sometimes I'm working with people who are working multiple jobs, yeah. and I certainly don't want to pull them out of their work in order to get help for their kid. So when I had a family that was working really closely with me, and the only time they could meet was on a Saturday, I would give special permission to meet with them on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. These days, I'm typically working Monday through Friday, but I might have an 11-hour day, and then a five-hour day, and then an eight-hour day. <laughs> And again, I I like that flexibility, and it also, I think, serves people better. If they have to get a 7.30 a.m. appointment with one of our psychiatrists, and I want to be there for that, then I'm starting at 7.30 in the morning, but maybe I'm finishing up with the family at 8 o'clock that night. Mm -hmm. I like the flexibility. And you mentioned psychiatrists, and I know a lot of people who may be listening might think, oh, what's the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist? Yeah. Can you answer that? Yeah, I can, and it's a really, really common question. You're right. So a psychiatrist is actually a medical doctor who has specialization in brain-behavior relationship and the ways in which a medication or multiple medications might be helpful. But they are physicians. Okay. Then there are master's level psychologists, and they may be therapists or they may be school psychologists. And then there are doctoral psychologists, Mm -hmm. which is what I am. And so we are therapists, evaluators, consultants, researchers, but we're not medical doctors. Mm -hmm. In some states in the United States now, psychologists are getting extra training so they can prescribe meds, but that's not typical. And then a therapist is really anyone who's working officially to help people improve their lives in ways that matter to them. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Alina, and I'm joined by other host, Emily. We're speaking with Meg Sandow, who's a licensed clinical psychologist. Comments made in this segment and the information provided during the show are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please be advised that this week's episode might contain content that may be considered graphic or sensitive for young audiences. And what skills or qualities are important to have in this position? Liking people is really important. <laughs> I think being curious about people is really important. I mean, I suppose that there are there are elements of the person interpersonally that matter. So enjoyment, curiosity an ability to put other people at ease, an area where I I definitely sometimes hit my own struggles, managing your own stuff, because it's not about me when I'm with other people. Mm -hmm. And then there are the, can you take responsibility? Can you organize your time? Can you organize information? Do you recognize when a red flag has come up? So there's a kind of an analytic organizational capacity. Working for agencies I think there's also just the element, again, of taking responsibility and being able to tolerate a certain amount of bureaucracy and (laughs) paperwork requirements and things like that. And if you were to hire someone to replace you, what kind of qualities or traits would you look for in a candidate? Oh, man. I've sat in on interviews. I never have the deciding say, but I've sat in on interviews. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that people who are themselves and and are engaging people are inherently interesting in probably most professions. But in particular, when you're working in an interpersonal profession, whether it's teaching or therapy or another service profession, we want to be sitting in a room with someone and feel reasonably comfortable with that person. And there are some very specific fields of knowledge that we would be asking about. And if somebody is skirting that question or giving us what we consider to be 
very significantly incomplete answer like wow they didn't touch on cultural stuff at all Mm -hmm. or oh my god there was that safety issue and they didn't mention it Mm -hmm. or gee there was just no plan for the future they spoke really disrespectfully about Mm -hmm. that imaginary client like Mm -hmm. i don't think so Yeah. Yeah. yeah and what inspired you or interested you to get into the field of psychology so it's a really indirect route i think maybe you got a sense of that when i was a kid my family went for family therapy because one of my siblings was having really significant problems and that therapy was awful it was horrible and some years later my part of my family went for therapy with someone here in santa cruz a gestalt art therapist and it was a revelation she was just extraordinary and she was so helpful And that, I think, was maybe a little seed that got planted. Mm. And then years later, I had my own therapy, which I really needed. And that watered the seed. Mm -hmm. And then I had a really close friend from high school who went on to become first an art therapist and then a psychologist. And I really enjoyed listening to her talk about it. And then in college, after I'd been away and then went back, I took a psychology class. And I thought, you know... I I really like this. Mm -hmm. And that professor pulled me aside one day and said, you should think about this field. You'd be good at it. Mm -hmm. And some other people I knew said that as well. But I wasn't ready to jump into the deep end. So Mm -hmm. I took some, after I got my bachelor's degree, I took some bachelor's level jobs. Mm -hmm. And and it it just continued to interest me. Mm -hmm. I had already made that decision that I was going to apply for grad school when my younger brother killed himself. Mm. A lot of people think, oh, that's what made you want to do this. It it wasn't, but it is definitely one of those things along with all the other elements of my path that Mm. make this work very personal to me. What would you say is the biggest misconceptions that people have about therapy or psychologists? So I would say a really big misconception about psychologists is that we shake your hands and we spend two minutes with you and then we've got a diagnosis for you and we've read into your deepest, darkest psyche, right? Not true. In fact, just speaking for myself, I'd say I've I've been on some really ridiculous dates where afterwards I thought, and you call yourself a psychologist? How could you even say yes to that, right? So, you know, I think there's a part of the brain maybe that turns off although other parts of the brain are alive and on. I think another misconception sometimes is that we've come from very perfect families and perfect lives, that we ourselves have not experienced difficulty, that we have no idea of the hardship that people are facing, and way far from true. I would say the majority of therapists I know have themselves experienced some difficult lives. Although not all of them. Some of them come from really just spectacularly healthy, happy families. I think another misconception maybe about therapy is that you're going to sit down and somebody's going to start just asking you to share every most personal thing about yourself with no opportunity to get comfortable. I think it's a misconception that the help is all from kind of one direction, that you're sitting down with an expert and that expert is going to fix your life. You know, it's it's absolutely a teamwork kind of a, an activity. People have to learn to trust each other. The therapist has to develop trust for the client as well as the other way around. There are times in a crisis you have to get in there and ask some really gnarly stuff like right away because you're trying to figure out does this kid need to be in a hospital right now. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, you know, we're, we're trying to help people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. 
How do you prepare for a session with a client? Do you have that set list of questions? Is there things that you go in with? I do not have a set list of questions. Mm. When I'm doing an assessment, there are always questions that I will get answers to. Mm. But when I'm doing therapy, I don't have set questions. And I will prepare some directions Mm -hmm. based on what we've been working on and maybe specifically what came up last time we talked. But then also I have to be prepared to change direction at any moment because I might have carved out an entire plan. Okay, this week we're going to follow up with a physical activity or an arts activity or we're going to write a song together, whatever it is, based on what we've been doing. And then that kid comes in and, and is falling apart and that's just not well no let's just forget about you're falling apart i have an activity plan yeah right it's not gonna be like that it's kind of like cooking a meal there are certain ingredients that you have and there's a certain plan that you have but then something gets burned or you discover you don't have the spice that you want or you suddenly see an ingredient and you think oh i think that ingredient would fit really well here or it's like planning or a trip cross country and you know you want to get somewhere but you're constantly making decisions about how will I get there and you might stop along the way yeah Yeah, right exactly and for any reason at all but how do I keep us moving and how do I support you in keeping us moving towards that place that we want to arrive and lots of mistakes along the way Do you have any interesting stories or facts related to being a psychologist? So the, the stories the stories that are meaningful to me are, are about interactions that I had with people that really changed the way I thought about what I was doing or where I, I learned so much from my clients. Oh my gosh, the, the, the teaching that they give me is enormous. And so, for instance, there was a young man I was assessing who had been through just a really, really hard time. And and part of the assessment will always be about suicide risk anyway. And so I asked, you know, with all of these things that you've been sharing with me, have you ever felt hopeless? And he looked at me like I came from another planet. And he said, hopeless? Hopeless? Hope is everywhere. But you can't just sit there and wait for it to come to you. you got to go out and look for it. And that just was like big light going on about how we could think about hope. After I got my bachelor's, I was working as a recreation therapist at a geriatric day treatment program where we helped feed people and helped take them to the toilet. Mm -hmm. And I'd say that that experience is where I really learned it's not about what you're doing, it's about how you do it. That there's a a helpful, quote-unquote, therapeutic way to wipe someone's butt and, and a non-helpful, non-therapeutic way to wipe someone's butt. And, yeah, I mean, I could keep going, but maybe you have other questions. Um, what's, what would you say is the most stressful part of your job? Where I work, there are a lot of deadlines. Because it's the county, there are certain agency deadlines, federal deadline. And so there's a lot of juggling that goes on. And meanwhile, I'm trying to prioritize the direct care that I'm providing to my clients. And they are going through their own ups and downs. And so there's that interaction of what absolutely has to get done, crossing the T, dotting the I, and what really also has to get done to help people out. And then if I happen to be going through my own hard time, that's rubbing up against those other things. Mm -hmm. It's certainly very stressful if I'm concerned about, is this person going to harm himself or herself? Mm -hmm. I have to help make that 
decision about how to intervene here that can be stressful. Mm -hmm. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Melina, and I'm joined by other hosts, Emily. We're speaking with Meg Sandow, who is a licensed clinical psychologist. Comments made in this segment and information provided during the show are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please be advised that this week's episode might contain content that may be considered graphic or sensitive for young audiences. And she was telling us about some of the stresses, but now I want to hear, what is the most rewarding part of your job? Yeah, I, I get to interact all day long with amazing people. And those amazing people are my clients and my colleagues and my clients' family members. And I would say, too, it, it is just an, I know this word gets overused, it's an honor what people will share with me about what matters to them is unbelievable that parents will allow me to get in there and try and help them and help their kids and take risks and try new things and share their fears and worries. It's just an extraordinary thing. And then my colleagues are unbelievable. I just have such enjoyment and admiration and respect for them. So that that part is awesome. <laughs> How would you say you maintain a good work-life balance? Not always well. That's what <laughs> I that's that's how I do it. I I love theater improvisation. So every Saturday just about I start my Saturday with a drop-in class of oh. uh, improvisation. Oh. <laughs> I love nature, so I like to go for walks and hikes. I love animals. So I try to be around animals. I have good friends. I go to movies. I read. I am silly with people. I love traveling. And so it's not something that I can do a tremendous amount of. But mm -hmm. when I can, it's just a really great way to get away. Yeah, and, and just exercise in general is helpful. How did you know that psychology was the right field for you? Because we have so many students, including myself, who thought I was going to go into psychology. How did you know that it was the right way for you? So, you know, as I said before, this wasn't an area where I jumped in the deep end. I really kind of wiggled the toe, and then I wiggled my whole foot, and then I kind of waded in up to the knees. And I would say that the, the more I got into it, the more I realized that psychology allowed me to use my, my interest in the visual arts and a, a just kind of a visual alertness, mm -hmm. my interest in language and culture, mm -hmm. my, my love for people, my enthusiasm for solving a problem, for like, how can I make sense of this? How does this information fit together? Okay, it fits together in this way. Where's, where's the doorway to change? there's this kind of puzzle-solving element to it. The fact that I get to work with people across the age range, because if I'm working with a child, I will also be working with a parent, possibly a grandparent, maybe other siblings. The fact that I, I can be really creative and, and I love to play, so the fact that I literally and also figuratively can play with people. I would say just the, the more I got into it, it wasn't like there was a single thing that happened and mm -hmm. I... That that's it. Yeah. I've I've arrived. Eureka! <laughs> yeah. You know, it really was taking the next step, taking the next step. And there were many times along the way that I doubted my ability. I'm really not cut out for this. Mm -hmm. They made a mistake when they took me into this program. <laughs> I shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then going off that, did you ever want to quit? And if so, how did you get through that? So I have definitely wanted to quit jobs that I had and have done so. <laughs> <laughs> 
and and really that's you know that's about that's like quitting a relationship as well that sometimes it's just this is not the right place for me to be it's mm -hmm. not good for me it's not good for the people i'm working with and it's mm -hmm. not good for the people i'm working for mm -hmm. and i need to move to something else mm -hmm. i also I, I quit in at the end of 2012 because i really for years had been struggling with a kind of a growing awareness that there was something that was not being fed in my life generally mm -hmm. And I actually left the U.S. for nine months, um, mostly volunteering, doing a little bit of traveling in Brazil, Peru, and Guatemala, partly just to get out of my comfort zone, partly to see how people were taking care of themselves and each other in other mm. cultures, in other parts of the world, partly to build on language skills that I was already developing. Yeah, so I, I have moved on more than once. Mm. I, I mean, I, I have colleagues who've, who've been with the county for approaching 30 years. That's, mm. that's not me. What is something that you wish more young people knew about mental health or not young people? <laughs> yeah, anybody. You know, the first time that I myself chose to go to therapy, the hardest part of it was actually walking into someone's office and saying, I need help. I can't do this by myself. I really felt that that meant something terrible about me, that I couldn't manage it myself. And... I think that especially these days with social media and self-presentation, it's very easy to believe that everybody else is living a happy, quote-unquote, successful... Perfect life. Right. <laughs> they're eating all the best food. They're hanging out with all the best people. They're laughing and being sexy all day long, you know, and it's all yeah. so good, right? And, and the reality is that life is, is a very mixed journey. And that, and it's not a straight road either. And that mental health is not, it's not like a place that you arrive and then you mm. never have to address it again. Yeah. It's part of the journey. Mm. And that just because we fell down on that road doesn't mean that we're bad, inadequate, stupid, worthless. It's like, yeah, you were living your life and you fell. So... You know, maybe you need some help while you're healing or to, while, after you get up. And so I wish that more people in general would see it not as a, like a bad mark on your mm -hmm. record, but really as like, what an opportunity. Yeah. You could go and do this thing and get to know yourself better and have better relationships with other people yeah. and, and live a more fulfilling life. And some of that is a cultural thing too, right? Mm. There are some communities that are like, nope, we never tell other people about these things. <laughs> yep. right? yeah. It stays in the family. <laughs> so, yeah. And then what advice would you give to someone who's interested in pursuing this career? I am a very avid volunteerer. And that's also part of how I maintain work-life balance. I mm -hmm. love to volunteer for different things. And I think that there are all kinds of opportunities you could be part of a, a literacy program. You could work at the Homeless Garden Project. You could help elders. You could be a tutor. You could join a recreational program. And you could either do it as a volunteer or you could do it as a job. And I think that part of what you're trying out is, how do I feel in a setting where there are social demands and responsibilities 
how do I feel about working with a range of people? Some of them I really like and some of them are not so fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, how do I feel about taking direction from other people who have authority over me in this setting? How do I feel about my problem solving? And then some bachelor's level programs, some psych classes will be associated with practicum experience. And that way, in a like a very protected, supported setting, you get to try something out, working with professionals and see how that feels. There's no like piece of litmus paper where, you know, I'm going to put this on my tongue and depending what color comes out, I'm going to know if this is right or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just talking to a phlebotomist today who was going to take my blood and it's like, well, yeah, I either want to be a nurse or I was thinking about being a psychologist. Take my phone number. Let's talk. <laughs> uh, the last question that we have for you is what is a thought or a piece of advice that you like to leave our listeners with? You know, I should be prepared for this because I read that question on the list and I thought, oh, what would I say to people? And I came up with an answer that I have since forgotten. So, yeah, I guess what I would say is get away from your phones. Life is with people and uh, go push that edge. Have fun. Okay. Well, thank you, Meg, for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. And thank you to all of our KSQD listeners for tuning into today's career story with your hosts, Melina and Emily, on our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Meg Sandow, who is a licensed clinical psychologist. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email, whattobe at ksqd.org. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM, KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays, or stream online at ksqd.org. Thank you for listening.